Welcome to the Teacher's Podcast, in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thanks for listening. In this episode I interviewed Dan Storey who is a teacher at Ernest Cookson School and SEMH School in Liverpool. Dan talks to us about behaviour and how to tackle difficult behaviour in the classrooms. In Dan's school he works with children that mainstream schools have had to give up on and one of the topics he touches on is how we can prevent children reaching the point of needing to leave mainstream school and attend a specialist behaviour school or a PRU. Hopefully, you'll find the content useful. It was one of the most requested topics for the podcast in my Facebook community. Let's get to the interview. So Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Yeah, nice to meet you. Um, So you're going to talk to me about behaviour. So I'm really excited about this episode in particular because when I put out... um, a poll to the teachers podcast community on Facebook that was the one of the top things that they really wanted to know about behavior so I know it's going to be really valuable for all the listeners um, I've got loads of questions for you so I hope you're ready yeah I'm ready brilliant so I thought the first thing would be really good is if you could give me a backstory of how you got into teaching what you're doing now just so everyone knows why they should listen to you yeah so first of all I've started teaching in Manchester mm-hmm. in the school of Cheatham Hill a mainstream school there then I moved to America and I was a football coach. Wow. Uh, I stayed there for a while, enjoyed that, but then I came back to Liverpool, worked in a couple of mainstream schools on, on long-term supply, and then I got a job about 11 years ago in a primary SM, SEMH school in okay. Liverpool, Yeah. Um, and I haven't looked back. Wow, thank you. Um, just You mentioned there that you've been to America. Like, What was that like? How, how is it different from schools here? Because I think so many, so many um, sort of series are about American high school, aren't they? I worked as a as a football coach over or a soccer coach over there, so I yes. was I was coaching different um, different age groups, different football clubs, and things like that. So it was a different experience than, than teaching in a classroom. I enjoyed it, but I think I missed the classroom, and that's why I got back to Liverpool yeah. what, to get back into teaching. What about the culture? Would you say that it's similar or really different? Uh, it's a, it's a different. I think that was one of the things. It was a bit of a culture shock. It was different yeah. coming from Liverpool and then living in America. But uh, the experience was was great, and it it has helped me yeah. with, with teaching because of the sports and things like that, and and the friends that I've met as well over there was great. I also think just like the different experience as well. I think it's interesting because obviously as the two countries have a lot of similarities, but then also some things are really different as well, aren't they? Yeah. I just I, I'm one of those people who like I think. I've been on supply and I've been to loads of different schools and I really appreciate that I've had all that experience and I think yeah. I just think having all those different experiences is really helpful to you as a person but also as a teacher as an educator. Certainly. Um, so you mentioned an SEMH school. Yeah. What on earth is that? So it's a school for social emotional and mental health disorders. So the school that I work at we've got um, boys with ADHD, ASD, attachment disorder, mm-hmm. we've got um, conduct disorder, we've got Variant disorders, um, and then our school is primary based to year three to year six. We have 60, 60 boys on roll, uh, and in we have a staff ratio as well of one teacher to two, uh, one teacher two LSAs to ten children. 
Wow, well, I was just going to say, like, you know, how many how many teachers have you got for that? So would you normally teach, like, a class of 10 then? Yeah, so I have a class of 10. Um, we do teach the primary curriculum. I think sometimes people seem to have a thing that if you work in SEMH school that you're not, you're just playing and you're not teaching. But we recently had an Ofsted and got outstanding in Ofsted four or five years ago we had the same results so we and Ofsted were happy with all, what we teach yeah. and we do teach the primary English, English maths curriculum science so we teach all, all core subjects but we teach to try and teach them in a, in a fun way as well. So how old are the children then? So I work in a mixed class mine's a mixed year five and six class right, but right. it used to be key stage one but yeah. it's just this year in fact four or five years ago it was actually key stage three as well Right. Okay. Um, but what the school tried to do is integrate more. I think if it's a younger class and it's a younger child coming in at say six or seven years old, that's easier for you to then support them and help and help them than if a child comes in at 13, mm. 14 years old. That's yeah. a bit more difficult. So that's why we've moved away from that. And then this year, we were getting we are getting an influx of children coming in from mainstream primary age so that's that's where our school's focused on this year yeah okay so how is it how is it different from a pro then um a pro is usually something that's attached on onto a school a unit right that's, okay. that's attached onto a school ours is a separate school ours is its own, own school with there's a there's quite a few pros in liverpool but our one is an SEMH school on it by itself and would you say that there are a lot of similarities or do you think that maybe you're forward thinking because you're just worrying about what you've got? Yeah, well, I've got I've got friends. I've got friends who, who work in Proves and I've got friends who work in um, independent mm. um, SEMH schools or behavioural schools and they say it's a lot different than, than our school. I've got friends who've worked in our school and have gone to there mm. and they say it is a lot, it's a lot different than in their schools. It feels like it's just about managing the child, not right. in my school. I feel like we are like a mainstream school. We teach, we assess everything that a mainstream school does. And um, when we've had recently, we've had mainstream teachers come into our school, and they were very impressed with the, with what we teach. Yeah. When we've um, had cluster meetings with lo the local authority, and we had book scrutinies, and we took our books, and I think a lot of people are shocked. I, I do think there's maybe a stigma that in a school like mine, that there's not as much learning going yeah, on, but yeah. but there is. Which is amazing, really, and so. You're just the ideal person to, to be here to talk to us about behaviour, but also you know how you make sure that fits in with with learning in the classroom. That's amazing. Um, okay, so you mentioned um, the types of children that, that are at your school. So, for example, attachment disorder. What is it? Yeah. So attachment disorder. So if when when you're a child and the primary caregiver gives you the love and security that you need, then then that child is going to have a good life and is going to have is going to have the right emotions is going to be able to deal with emotions in the right way that yourself and I can do mm -hmm. but when that child has not got that secure attachment from the primary caregiver say for example they've gone through trauma they've not been given the attention um, even abuse mm -hmm. then that has a knock-on effect with the, with the child's mm -hmm. uh, mental state and then that happen what happens is then when they come into schools they can't sit down and they won't um, they can get quite angry and aggressive yeah. and things because they're not used to regulating their emotions the way that we can so the brain is developed differently because as a, as a result of this uh, uh, not secure attachment so what we t what the thing is though that it can be helped and you can support children with attachment 
by giving them that security, by giving them that loving school and, and giving them the chance to vent and things like that. But what we have in our school is a, um, a therapist, mm-hmm. and, or, a th- or if you want to say a counsellor, and they work with boys in school who've had gone through trauma, who've gone through any abuse or anything, and be, be due to them having attachment, we use these sessions to support them, and you do start to see a difference. It's about giving them the clear boundaries as well and giving them structure mm. and giving them um, the support that they need. But as I said, they do, in the end, with boys with attachment, as they go older and girls, they do gain a more secure attachment. Mm. I guess it must be really difficult in the situation because you're trying to deal with something that might still be a problem. Mm. You know, I guess, you know, when you get into adulthood, say if you moved out and you had problems at home, you might carry them with you, but but you've got control over changing that. Whereas some of these children, nine years old in year five, if they're still at home and home's not a good place, yeah. it's it's still difficult, isn't it? I imagine it's really hard to kind of find a way out for them. No, certainly. Uh, I think I think what we were saying earlier is that the home life is an issue as well, isn't it? So you, I think we don't realise that the effect mm. that you have. So. Literally, I was watching um, staff training recently, mm. and when somebody came in and we were talking about attachment, they showed a video of when the primary caregiver didn't, the baby was crying, and this primary caregiver ignored the baby so that she was holding the baby here. And when the baby was crying, this caregiver just turned away, and they were showing the baby was really upset mm. and got more heightened as upset because he wasn't giving that, um, that love and that attention, and that had, that had such a knock on effect. So when if parents give that att- give that attention, give that love to your child, when that your baby's crying, speak to them, um, love them, and that it's such, such such a simple thing like that, has a secure attachment, and then when children come to school, they're more settled, more happy, and then it makes jobs easier for, for staff, doesn't it? And I guess in some ways it must be hard for, for teachers to understand because teachers naturally you know, as parents, but also in the classroom, are going to do that because they've gone into teaching for a start, haven't they? Um, So I suppose in some ways, unless you talk about these things, it's hard to imagine that that actually happens. And, 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 you know, some parents really do struggle with that um, and find it difficult. Um, Okay. So obviously we will have a lot of teachers listening to this um, and most of them are not going to work in schools like you do, but they might have children with you know, different disorders in the classroom, like how can they find out more about them? Um, not diagnose them, but, you know, they might have the suspicions. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of, when a lot of NQTs have come to my school or RQTs have come to the school, what I find is, or even on supply, what I find is that they come to a school like mine and they've just not had the experience. Mm. They've come to our school and they've had, say, for example, on a PDC course, you've got a one-year course, yeah. say you've got three placements, when I've spoken to people, they've literally just had a day or two days in a special school. I just do not feel that is enough because how are you meant to know about attachment, ADHD, ASD? How are you meant to know about these things for two days experience? Mm. Yes, you've got the internet now and you can, you can read up on things, can't you? And you can find out about disorders and, and interventions and how you can support them. But I think deep down you need more on-the-job training. Yeah. What, what, are, what One of the things that I was thinking should... Um, if you're on supply I think supply teachers I know sometimes people don't want to when they get a call 
don't want to sometimes come to a behavioural school or an SEMH school because they might think it's a bit difficult or they're not used to it. But it's great experience, and I think that would help so much if yeah. you get as much experience as you can. It might not be, it's only for certain people. Some people might not like to work in the school that, mm. might, that I work at, but I think getting that, gain that experience is great. Yeah. Um, another thing as well that I think would work is if mainstream teachers had more time going into special schools. So mm. recently, um, my school, we went we all did, all the teachers went to different mainstream schools mm. because sometimes you feel like when you're in an SEMH school that you're a bit de-skilled. Yeah. So by you go to mainstream, you can pick up ideas, can't you? So yeah, yeah. I think if school senkos or just or school teachers on PPA sessions or maybe days do some training, come into schools. Also, I think sharing good practice. That's it. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. about sharing good practice. I think as well, schools need to get as much training as, as they can. If you look at local council, offer free training. So as I said, my school recently has had attachment training, um, ADHD training. So you've got like the ADHD foundation. They can do. They can come in and do things. Attachment disorder. We've had the local council who've come in to mm. look at that and, and support our school. So there's, there's things out there. I think, especially when you're a new teacher, you need to be making sure your school's getting you on the right trainer. Mm. So if you need training, you need to be getting on as whatever you need. So if it's if you've got one or two children in your class you've got ADHD or ASD, how can you support them and the best way to get as much training? Mm. I, I actually um when I first started my school I didn't I'll be honest, I didn't know much about mm. SEMH. I was I was quite new to it. I'd worked in a in a ma- nice mainstream school with yeah. l- lovely quiet kids. Uh, and then I went into this type of setting and I was like, wow, it was a culture shock. But I went on I did a diploma in education and then I did a PGC in SEN. Yeah. And then I did a master's in SEN and I, I, that's helped me out so much. Yeah. And you can get grants and things like that for that. So that's thinking of school budget. It's actually, you can get a grant, you can apply for that. So that, so that definitely yeah. could help. And also I think, you know, there's such a call for it now, isn't there? You know, I think uh, one of the reasons why so many people have asked to talk about behaviour is because across the country, behaviour is becoming more of an issue um, and something that we need to get better at managing. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to get into why those reasons might be, yeah. but, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that maybe we can't control, but we need to find a way to carry on uh, teaching and learning, don't we? Um, so do you think that all behaviour issues stem from disorders? or? Um, if I was to come, if I look at the children that I've worked with, there's a, there's a variety. Yeah, a lot of it does stem from ADHD, from ASD and things like that. But I do feel as well it can be parenting because if you've not put the routines in place, mm. um, like my children, we even just a sleeping routine and they, mm. they know when they go to bed, they brush their teeth, what time it is at, what time they go to bed. Things like, just small things like that. Mm taking them out to places doing things not just sitting on an ipad and things like that i think that helps i think as well you've got to be you've got to be um give consequences to your children you've got to they've got to know and um, we use the um, a step and my daughter knows that when she's um not done something right to take some time on the step but the, what i like about How that old is she? she's four years old and she understands but i like what the best thing about it is though when she sits on the step she has a timer, she knows when the time's up, but it's about talking to her after it. Yeah. It's the restorative practice, it's sitting with her, saying, why have you sat here? Using yeah. the communication, why have you sat there? Why do you think we've had to sit here? Yeah. What do you think you've done wrong? 
what do you think we should do in the future and what should you say to mummy or daddy yeah. for what you've done yeah and i just think as a teacher it's, it's come easy to me as a parent it's quite difficult isn't it but it is, this type it of is. thing you i just think that that same thing works if you're doing it as a parent that's gonna have a knock-on effect in the school isn't it because if you're if you're if you've got a school with a parent supportive and do things like that then when that kid comes to your school they're ready when you say you need to sit down you need to be quiet mm. all the low level things yeah yeah i know we had a conversation on the phone about this before and you know we're saying work with it because obviously you've got a four-year-old i've got a three-year-old yeah. and it's tough it really yeah. is tough and you think as a teacher oh yeah i've got this behavior thing yeah. covered but um oh <laughs> it's something else because <laughs> i tell you what you cannot go home <laughs> even if you don't leave school till eight o'clock you still can't go home um and um, they definitely know how to push all your buttons yeah. but like you're saying it's us we have to be the adults don't we and we have to make sure that we're consistent um and and i think we can all agree it's not the easiest thing to do um okay so we've got loads of teachers listening have you got any strategies that you think teachers could implement um to keep children in mainstream yeah i've got quite a few strategies but there's there's say three or four that, that I like to use that I think they're the main things. And I think we just touched on it before, I think is is consequence, but I think it's consistency. It's if you've, so if you've got school, school behavior policy is a good thing. So if you've got a behavior policy, what we do in our school is that every year at the start of the year, we have a school behavior policy, but the children in the class get to look at this policy. Mm. So every single, so we'll have every single thing that Every, every behaviour has a consequence and the children get to talk over this and agree mm. whether that is the right consequence, whether it's too harsh, whether it's too soft. They also, if there's obviously behaviours change, don't they? So if there's a new problem behaviour, then children can together, just think when together with the school, instead of the school saying this is what is happening, if the children are taking some ownership over it, I think that does really help. So that's something every year, we sit down with each each teacher with each child and they go through the behaviour policy and then we come up with a new policy each year. Right. That's okay. that that's really helped our school. I also think what I like about that is um the children then they kind of have ownership over it, don't they? And and, and it's kind of peer pressure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we agreed this and you're yeah. not doing that and, and I think, you know, they probably know it a lot better than don't they? But that's exact that I think that's one of the main things that they know. The children in my school know exactly straight away this is what's going to happen because you've just done a b or c yeah. and i think that then leads on to consistency doesn't it so if you're consistent so you'll know the consequence in place and we'll talk about rewards as well mm-hmm. but if the children know the consequence in place and they know that you're going to stick at that so you're going to you're going to if you say um you need to finish this work that you haven't completed now you need to finish it later mm-hmm. because you're refusing to work in my class you might refuse to work i'll say okay well I'm not going to push you to do it now, but you will have to finish it sometime today. Um, I can't then, when it's time to complete that work, say, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. That straight away is the no-no. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's about supporting the child. And if it, obviously the work's too difficult, then you understand that, don't you? You know, but it's about them knowing. If you've said you've got to do A, B, and C, and you don't do it, we'll let you off with it because you want, you want an easy life. That's just not going to work. Yeah. You've got to have that where they, they, underst- they understand with the child. You've got to follow yeah, through, haven't you? You've got to follow through. And the other thing is that if you, you've got to be consistent with all children as well. So if you say to one child, oh, you've been talking, you've got this consequence, 
but you've been talking, you haven't got the consequence, then boys know that, don't they? That why am I getting treated differently? Yeah, so that's important. And also, teachers all being on the same hymn page, LSAs, teacher assistants, and teachers, everyone in the school being on the same hymn page. So if you've, um, in my school, we have um, times table sheets as a consequence. So you, if I say to the child, he's got to write out his um, three times table, and then you, it's at break time, and the teaching assistant then said, "Oh, it's uh, it's okay. Just do six questions." Mm. That's then that's the, you know then the and the children are not, are not soft as well. They know yeah. how to play the system, how to play the certain staff member with each other. So it's just the consistency is key. That that's the main thing. I do think the wording is really important as well because just when you're talking, you're reminding me um, of our three-year-old. Um, <laughs> yeah. So my husband dead sometimes. Um, I always say to him, oh, you're too quick to sort of scale up. Um, so you'll say things like, right, you're not going to grandma's house. Yeah. Instead of wording it, like you might not be able to go to grandma's house because I'm thinking she's going to grandma's house. Otherwise, you don't get to go to work. You know, yeah, no. so instead of sort of saying straight away, you're not going to grandma's house, like we might not be able to go to grandma's house if you don't put your clothes on, Hattie. Um, but yeah, you I, know, she, she'll know, well, I'm going to go to grandma's house anyway. No, that's absolutely that's a, br- a brilliant point to be fair it's it's yeah if you say something that's so high that the and if you say something you can't stick at so yeah you're yeah. not going on this or you're not doing that you've got to stick at that so yeah, it, yeah it's about it's about being given something that the children can earn yeah so yeah. if you say um as for example you lost you you've five minutes break time you need to finish something but they get it done in two then it's not like saying you still have three more minutes. You, when you've done that work, you can go out. Yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? It's not. It's yeah. so yeah. If you if you give it too difficult or too hard, and you need something, it. and then and then you're stuck. Then I always think of it like um, you know sometimes where um, in English you do the degrees of words like it's boiling or it's lukewarm and all the ones in between. I'm like, listen, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to have that range. Yeah. You know, you can't just be going in up there. Like start small, make sure you win the battle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, I feel like I'm going to get be able to get him to listen to this now. I'm like, see, this is why I say this. <laughs> okay, so when we were talking on the phone before, you talked about relational-based behaviour management. So what, what is that? Yeah, um, I just feel you, you talk about teachers in the past that, you've, that have, you remember. Hmm. Teachers that, that, you, that you like and te- teachers when I, when I was a child and when I was in university as well. Is they're, they're the ones you remember, the ones that you had a good relationship with the ones that you respected the ones that the you that were nice to you and listened i just do not like teachers and it's true there's still teachers now who use the scare factor with children and or when we're saying then sometimes being too strict saying you've lost this or you're not getting this that's over you get out and, and talk and not not giving a child respect mm. and that i feel like that is still commonplace in some schools yeah. and, I, and i know it might have a certain effect but if you look back at when you were in school, that teacher who made you scared, who made you, everyone didn't want to, everyone was scared in their lesson. And, was, and, and yet they did stick at what they've said they were going to do. They give you a consequence, they stuck at it. But I just felt like the teachers who you knew you wouldn't mess with them, but you could still have fun with them and still have a laugh and you still have banter and things. And I think that's the type of teacher that you need to be is you need to know a child's background. So if, for example, you've got a child in class and you've got, to, you've got to know each kid. I'm quite lucky in my school. I know it's different than mainstream. I've got 10 children in my class. Mm. So I know the ins and outs of them. I know what, yeah. I know what, what's, 
what they like, I know the interests, I know pushing the buttons, I know who the friends with and everything like that. And that's quite it's quite easy for me, you know, it's quite difficult when you've got thirty mm. in a class. But it's about obviously we're talking here today about if you're in a mainstream, mm. there might be one, two, three children who are causing problems. It's about getting down to their level, finding out what they like, if they like Marvel or if they like motorbikes or, or mm. cartoons, I don't know. If they like something, it's about using that to your advantage. So if they like a certain cartoon or certain thing, make the lessons about them, make their work about something like that, something that interests them. Engage them. Yeah. If what on uh, attachment disorder training recently, they were saying, notice if they've come in and they've got a new coat, oh, your coat looks really nice, oh, you look good today, don't you? Giving them a compliment and things like that, it, it is, mm. does have a positive effect on their mindset. Um, and also, it's just sitting with them and giving them the time. And again, I know it's difficult. Some schools have a teacher in the class and they share an LSA with yeah. with the, with the other teachers in the school. I understand that's difficult, but you have to work with your, with your peers and with your other teachers and the staff to come up with a plan together. So if there's a, mm. if there's a boy in your class, come up with a plan. Who, who is it that this boy or this girl has a good relationship with? It might not always be the teacher. It might be somebody in, yeah. else in the school. It might be the Senko. It might be a, an LSA. It might be in our school. Sometimes the, some of the boys like to do jobs with the caretaker. That's the person that they get on with. So they do some jobs with them. Um, it's about finding the person. Look, hopefully it is that you're, as the teacher, you're the person who has that good relationship. That is the one thing I try and make sure that, that um, I have a good relationship with, yeah. me, with my um, the boys in my class. So they can always come to me and talk to me. But there's, of, there's always other people in school. So sometimes in our school, if there's a boy who's been angry or whatever, and need to de-escalate, he'll go with a certain member of staff who can yeah. just speak to him and calm him quite quickly. But I, I find I have a good relationship with boys because I use a lot of dad jokes in class and, and, and just yeah. try and make lessons interactive and fun and things. I know if my lesson's boring and I'm bored, that they're going to be bored. So what I try and do is with the curriculum is try and look at what's going to interest the children in the class. Yeah. So I think having a positive relationship with the boy is mo- is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so do you do any interventions in your school then, behaviour interventions? Yeah, every day is a behaviour intervention. Um, but we, we have Lego therapy in school. All right. Yeah, so kids, there's a small groups do Lego therapy. We have a school um, counsellor comes in once a week so they take certain boys out we have um we've actually just recently started we've got one um one hlta and she does maths and english interventions Mm -hmm. and then we've got another hlta who's using something called a thrive approach which Mm -hmm. is like the old box all um approach and it's about leveling a child at their emotional state Mm -hmm. so they have individual and group work that's going to help them um, their mental state and, and well-being so they'll have activities and they'll go on one-to-one basis or a three-to-one basis and they will do activities to support them and we also have a mindfulness and growth mindset uh, activities in school to support children even even small things like having um chill out music in the in the in the class mm. during the day and in, in the lesson that has a really good effect yeah. Even boys in who've got sensory issues, we have ear defenders in class and things like that. Yeah. We in my school, we we're lucky we have a timeout room, so we have 
in between the classes we have a one-to-one -one room with the children if they just feeling a bit unsettled or a bit unhappy they can go in that room and can take take some time out yeah i mean just you know listening to your things like ear defenders it's i guess it's something that in mainstream you, you wouldn't think about but actually it's that's a really reasonable measure yeah. when i think about um you know the the business that we have and we make reasonable measures for members of staff depending on their needs and and do we do the same for children so i guess in some schools we do but maybe we maybe we're not looking at where we could make a reasonable adjustment and yeah. have something like ear defenders just something just to help them um sort of be included i guess um so how do you help schools and so obviously you do work in your school but how do you help other schools with behavior yeah so i i've only just started doing this but when i've i've been um supporting staff recently just when people have sent me messages and things like that on twitter and i've just been supporting staff like that but um friends who've worked who work in mainstreams yet they will give me calls sometimes or will speak to me on Facebook and I will give them some tips and advice. I've also just uh, recently wrote a blog on Nexus Education. Okay. And on, the, on there, I've given some uh, tips and hints for helping, behavior, uh, helping staff with behaviour management. And this year it's been the most read blog as well, so that makes me feel yeah, good. Yeah. But that, that's it about it. I, I've come into this because I want to help people because I understand in a mainstream school you've got a lot of kids, you've got not as many staff. So yeah. I've got a bigger ratio. I'm quite lucky I've got a bigger ratio of staff. I've got less children. I've got people who've, get, who've had more training on, yeah, on yeah. disorders and, and how to use these interventions. I've had 11 years experience working in a school like mine. So it's nice for me to then be able to use what I know to help other people. You've got a bit more time to sort of focus on behaviour, haven't you, really? Yeah. I think. So... Obviously, the blog that you've mentioned, we'll put that in the show notes so everyone can okay, can have okay. a read of that and um, and glean all your knowledge. <laughs> um, so, I did put out to the community because obviously everyone wanted to know about behaviour. Yeah. Um, and Mel K, she wants you to talk about rewards versus sanctions. Yeah. So, I think the main thing is, as I was saying before, about relational based. It's, it's about positivity, isn't it? It's about rewards. Um, Nottingham University have recently done a done study and saying that especially with boys with ADHD they need immediate rewards mm. that is what helps them so even in class I have class dojo and I know a lot of schools yeah. use class dojo it's brilliant because one you can talk to parents mm -hmm. you can message them which is great when you've got that relationship with parents and um, you can also share good good work so the children really happy when if you've done a good piece of work you can take a picture and share it on there then on dojos my class we have a lot of rewards um, rewards is a big thing in our school it's something that does help I mean we are quite lucky we the children have a, a point system in our class so every um, every lesson they have five behavior points and five effort points mm. and with these points they need to gain over 10 uh, sorry they need 10 is the maximum and zero obviously is the lowest and if they gain over 55 points over the day they get an afternoon play all right, so in good, our, yeah. our school, again, is quite lucky that we have review school budget for it, by the way, but um, Xbox and PlayStation, um, outdoor games. On a Friday, each day when that boy has gained enough points, then they get to go on a trip on a Friday. And then we have half-term trips. And I understand in mainstream, most of the time, the trip is used, the big trips in the summer. With a setting like mine, we have a lot of trips. 
I think a lot of using rewards and positivity has a great effect because if you're being negative and giving sanctions all the time, then yeah. it, the kids will have at the back up more and mm. will it just it's that's a trigger, isn't it? The more um, negative you are, the more you've done this. This is what's happening. You you're staying in a break is not going to help. It's about looking at the the children in the class who are doing well, who are working hard. They're the ones. So focus on the ones. Give them rewards. Now rewards could literally be we we on dojos. What we do is on class dojo. When the child has gained a hundred dojos, they get a prize. And all we've looked, literally done is gone on Amazon and got small key rings, mm. bouncy balls, things like that. Tangible, something that a child can go, oh, I'm, I'm happy about that. We also give certificates at the end of the week for best boy of the week, mm. um, work of the week. I just think the, the more positivity, the more rewards in place is going to help because then if children understand, and I know, I think sometimes people, I, I know I've read quite a few things on Twitter saying that, children shouldn't be doing these things for rewards but they should just be doing it anyway and i do agree with that you shouldn't be doing something just to get a reward or praise out of you doing it just out of kindness out of that's what you expected to do but it like makes your life a lot easier when a child understands when they've done something good they're going to get something for it i also think i think there's sort of two two kind of things going on here though so yes all right children should be able to do it but you're not talking about the average child either and mm. um, you know so you have to kind of have a way to deal with that situation as yeah. well um, and I know that you've said obviously our school has a lot of funding but I do think that there are different things that could be done and yeah. afternoon play for example there's one particular school that I that I worked in quite a lot and I think they were all, the only junior school that has afternoon play um, and the more, like I think now, um, a few weeks ago, I had Anna Lucas on the podcast um, and she was talking about um, playing year one. And I think, yeah, it doesn't even really be a reward. At the end of the day, children actually need to have that break. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a brilliant reward. And it doesn't cost the school anything, does no, it? No, definitely. To have afternoon play. Um, yeah, I think, I'm hoping now that loads of schools start afternoon play <laughs> as a reward. Yeah, That'd see. be great. Um Okay, so you mentioned sort of being in contact with parents on, on Class Dojo, and obviously um, you're in a different kind of school. How, how, does you, how do you communicate with parents? You know, how, how supportive do you find that? Do you have to support them in any way? I think, I, think I, I've, I um, tweeted something recently, and I, I just feel like if you have a good relationship with the parents, if you're, if you're able to pick up the phone, talk to the parents, and... And it's got to be on a positive level as well. It can't just be you all the time ringing a parent. Now, in my school, if, if a boy has uh, shown a real bad behaviour or something that's quite serious, then we have to send a, a letter home. Mm-hmm. And the issue with that sometimes is it's a letter and the kid, it's a stigma to the child. I've got this letter. Yeah. And they, they obsess with this letter. So we try, what we try and do is just send a message on Dojo and straight away that's where because boys are not seeing it. Oh, I've got this letter. They're thinking, oh, I'm just getting a message to my parent. And yeah. what, what's good about that as well, when it's on a, on a message on Dojo or if you if you give them a call, you can go through, run through the whole day, can't you? You can tell them all they've had a blip in the morning, but the rest of the day they've been great. Because yeah. if you're just sending this one thing to say they, they haven't been very good today, then they're not getting the whole message, are they? Yeah. So I, I do feel like I've got a good relationship with parents that I can speak to them 
I can pick up the phone. And they like the fact that I pick up the phone sometimes just to have a chat and say how the son's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, I think that really works because then they know they can, they <coughs> message me on Dojo and will say, ask, do we need a kit today? Or will you have a word of them? Uh, well, that's quite good as well, it works. They might say to me, he's been a bit wobbly this morning, he was, wouldn't, wouldn't get changed, didn't want to come into school. If you could maybe let him go into the one-to-one when he first comes in to settle down before he comes into the lesson. Yeah. That helps because then you know, you've got a you've picture. You've got knowledge, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Instead of the kid walks in, he's not happy about something, he's really angry and he walks out into the corridor. Instead, you're waiting at the door for him. You can speak to him. You could say, I've spoke to your mum, come, come with me or let's go and get something. Maybe he's walked, stormed out of the house, he hasn't had his breakfast, yeah. he hasn't had a drink or anything. You can go with him or take, get one of your classroom LSAs, take him for a piece of toast and have a little chat with him. And then he comes into, back into class, settled. So I think the relationship with the parents is, is a big yeah. thing. It's that, it sounds like, you know, they, they really trust you as well, which is, which is great. And I guess what makes it difficult is having 30 in your class rather than 10. Yeah. And, and also, you know, you're really focused on making sure that, that the needs are met on the behavioural level. Whereas, I guess, in mainstream, you might have two children to think about like that. But the rest of the children, maybe you're not thinking on that level and you're thinking about everything else. And it's such, it's such a tricky balance. Like, how do we do everything? I know it's quite difficult, but if you, what you're trying to do as a teacher, you're trying to make your life easier. You're mm-hmm. trying to get the best out of your yeah. children. The best, if you, things that I, in my opinion, things that are going to make class better. One is when you, if you use more technology and you're making lessons fun, and two is behaviour. Yeah. If you've got the behaviour right in your class, if it's the two children out of, say, 20, 25, 30 boys or girls, if you can get them two children to behave, then everybody else is going to behave. And if, it, if you've got everyone else is, do, is doing well in class and behaving, and just these two come up with something that's going to help the whole class. Um, yeah. If you've got, so for example, um, what we do in our school, we'll have something called Kids Half Hour. And every, um, every half term, we'll sit down, or every couple of weeks, we'll all sit down as a staff and we'll talk about these, these children and come up together with ideas that are going to help you. So sometimes you're, you're on your own and you'll come up with things. You might be an NQT, RQT, and you're in your or in the classroom, and you're finding it difficult with this one, one, two children, or, or a whole class. So I think you've got to ask for help. You've got to ask for support. And this, what I like about my school is that we, the teachers have all got a good relationship with each other, where we meet after, outside the school as well, mm-hmm. and we're all understanding and come up with ideas together. Yeah. I think that's a big thing is working together to, to support the teachers and staff because, as I said, if behaviour is good in class, then everything else falls into place, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Kath Smith, she wants to know how to tackle low-level disruption. That is the main thing, isn't it? That is yeah. the main thing. I, I, I've tried many different things. I think one of the things with low-level disruption is, is what I've, I've learned something when I first started teaching is... Say, for example, a boy is talking to some another boy. Um, I use boys a lot because that, that's how I work with his boys. Yeah. So if, say, for example, you're, you're teaching at the front of the class and this boy is talking to another boy, and instead of you saying, be quiet, what you can, what you can do is, um, are you okay there? Say, are you okay there, John? Yeah. And then what that makes his brain goes, oh, this is noticed they're talking, and then it clicks him back in yeah. to the zone. Um, or... If a boy is not right doing the work, these are things. These might be basic things. A boy's not doing his work, and um, say to him, "What should you be doing now?" 
what should you be doing now? Yeah. You know again, what? I heard that one last night. So yeah. we had um, we had the maths event, and um, somebody were talking about a behaviour person who would come in and he'd said the same thing what should you be doing now and she said she's tried that with her um, year two class and, and it's transformed them she's only be, she'd only tried it yesterday Yeah. she said and they were like oh uh, oh yeah I should be on the carpet right now and went went to the carpet so that's a brilliant one it's about, the, it's about the first one I used a lot for, as a secondary school teacher like are you okay are you okay yeah yeah but it, it, it does it's it, even though it's because it's about how you speak to them isn't it it's about Distance, personal space. Yeah. It's about if you raise in your voice. It's keeping the keeping a good personal space. It's about not. It's about talking to him in the right way. Yeah. It's about knowing that that you know that they know that you know yeah. you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So they yeah. they will they will it does those work as it gets them back into place. And another simple one is actually praising like we talked before praising the boys who are doing well wow your, your work's amazing well, look at him over there he's got a dojo he's doing really well that's yeah. brilliant another thing that, that can work is getting um the boy or the girl who's causing this low level disruption to work with somebody who's perfect child or yeah. great and hopefully that they'll mirror each other um also they can, I've, I've used a consequence in school and i just don't know if that's the best thing, but I, what, what I do is, if it's low level disruption, we have a consequence in place where, if they keep shouting out, then they have to they have to write a times table, a break time. So say if they shout out ten times, they got to write ten times tables after break time. Things like that you can try, but it's about trying to be positive. But it's about finding things that works. That I've used that and it has worked, but then I've moved away from that and tried to make things a bit more positive now. But it's about trying the things. There's, some, I, I there's guess so many. It depends many. on your environment. You, you, yeah. you have to give everything you go, don't you? Yeah. I guess sometimes you can be in the same school and things can work one year and you teach the exact same year but different cohort and you know it's completely different. Yeah, I think seat, seat and plan as well is a big thing. Um, it's about looking who, because you, you do find, especially in a year six class, the behaviour is, is not as good in that in that year group yeah. um, and then it's about looking who who's just going to talk to each other who yeah. you find them two kids and you're just sitting by each other and just want to talk all the time when you're t- teaching or during the lesson so it's about either having individual seats having certain as I said a, bo- a, a boy or girl who's causing issues to work with a, bo- a boy or girl doesn't mm. maybe having there might be sometimes a low level disruption is because they find the work a bit difficult so maybe have some classroom helpers or something yeah. have a higher ability work with a lower ability yeah. and get, being like a, a class helper I've done that quite a few times and that does help I've also used kindness bands in the past as well which are quite quite good so when people are being nice and I do abide by the rules and have done something really good in class they have a little band a bit like a festival band and they put that on and I just stickers on and they love them and they love walking around the school and people ask where have you got this band from and say because I've been kind today and they talk about what they've done yeah I love that. That's really nice. Gives an opportunity to talk about it as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, okay. Right, I'm going to ask you these questions that I ask everyone now. Okay. So, if you could wave, if you could wave a magic wand, how would you solve the life-work balance problem? <laughs> how many wands have we got? <laughs> <laughs> just, no, okay, one. just one. Just one. Okay. Um, I I just find what I find a lot at the time in, in the school I work at, we I have a lot to do in terms of. Um, an EHC plan, an educational healthcare plan. So I'll be writing them, then I'll be having lesson observations, then I'll be having book scrutinies, 
and I do I obviously all these things need to be done but you're also marking your books mm-hmm. you're also planning your lessons in my school I, I, I don't get as much PPA as I should do because I'm always supporting staff and that that's one of the things for me is, is make it that if staff are not gaining the PPA time that there should be something in place because I just feel even though it's a government thing it's it's law that you should be getting your PPA time yeah. I don't get all mine so then the times when I'm not there should be something in place in yeah. schools where they can speak to to the union or whatever and they can say okay can you write down all the times you haven't gained your PPA time and this is what's going to happen mm-hmm. so that that's a big thing for myself yeah I think that like that would just like make your life slightly easier yeah. I was kind of hoping you know it'd be like bell swoop make it really make it really easy like you know two days of PPA or something like that <laughs> oh yeah I do I've got quite a few friends who have it Mondays the PPA time oh really which would be that's, absolutely perfect that's isn't really it? brilliant I would it <laughs> right who's your favourite teacher at school and why it's actually there's actually two that's that's crazy that you asked that because today on Facebook I had a memory and it was a memory from when I left school and it was all my friends all sitting around the table with the teachers and we had a meal mm-hmm. um, and there was a teacher called uh, Mr Cropper mm-hmm. uh, I, I liked him because he liked football and even though he's the history teacher he like he did the, he did football and he took us on yeah. football tournaments and I think he's the type of teacher that I've modelled myself on is because he had a good relationship with us he was funny they were, they were awful jokes, a bit like my dad jokes, but they were. But we all you hated them, but you loved them. Yeah, and yeah. that that it's 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 funny, isn't it? I'm 37, and I still remember that teacher now as if it yeah. was yesterday. Yeah, you forget, don't you, as a teacher, that how how much of an impact you might be making on somebody's mm. life, and and that the fact that they will remember and remember you in years to come. And you know, I think I could walk around uh, my town centre and and recognize teachers yeah and um, they probably wouldn't recognize me because i've obviously been on supply a lot and sometimes i do think did that child look at me in a, in a way like they recognize me because i don't know who they are but they couldn't know who i am <laughs> um but you just you forget don't you because you're just carrying on with your life yeah um where do you think education needs to go in the next 10 years i think i think what we'll find and especially in this like the school that i'm at is that we've gotten a lot more children we get an influx of children coming from mainstream into our school. I think that I don't want to get out of a job. I don't want to. I, I want still think there's a place for the school or type of school I work at. But I think it's about getting the right training mm. and getting the having more. When as I said earlier, having students, teachers when they're in university, going into university and having more time in a special school, it should be for long for longer time. Mm. Or this just should be something something in place because what we're finding is we're getting a lot of um, schools um, excluding mainstream yeah. these children, these problematic children, and then they're coming to our school. And a lot of the time, the children who come to our school are like an angel. Yeah. They're really good, and I understand. And I understand it's small class sizes. We've had more training and things like that, but it's about getting the right. If you get the right training in yeah. early as well, so. You're looking at children in early years now, and you're looking at children in um, year one, two, and three come to our school or have been in the past, and that's we need to be have something in place there, training there for that age, so staff can come up with a, a way of keeping them in that school. Yeah. So basically, they should only be coming to your school if they really, really, really have to. Yeah. Yeah. And um, who's your inspiration within education? I've just got one teacher I currently work with her now, and I just think because she's pushed me a little bit, um, told me to get on the um, senior leadership course, 
tell me that I'm good and things like that. And I think that does help, doesn't it? When you've got that, because you do, it is a tough job, and sometimes you find that you do something wrong, and everyone's like, mm, he's done this wrong or he's done that yeah, wrong. Everyone knows, and it can be a bit low on the camera. Yeah, and when someone can ask if you're okay, and then give you the support, and I think that just really helps with that that person. Yeah. Are you going to um, name dropper? No. <laughs> okay. And um, <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, living in Liverpool, it was all. It, I actually either wanted to be a footballer or I wanted to be a journalist. And I did. I did. I have got a degree in journalism, but when it's you know when you start doing, you think yeah. this is not as fun as I thought. No. And obviously now being a teacher, this is a well better job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so well, much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, you've you've given so much great content, and um, I know that people are gonna really enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, cheers. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Consistency is key. And that's the main thing I took away from this interview. It can be so hard to be consistent while spinning so many plates, so it's definitely helpful to keep it simple, memorable, predictable, and most importantly, collaborate as a school to support each other. You'll find everything that Dan talked about in the show notes. Let me know who else you'd like to hear from and what you'd like me to ask them. If it's the first time that you're listening to the Teachers Podcast, then check out our other episodes for some more great listens. We have been securing some more fantastic guests for you. And if you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then you can let us know in our Facebook group called The Teachers Podcast Community. This episode is now live on YouTube, so don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And did you love this episode? Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.